0: The following podcast has been paid for by the Drew World Order. Yo hey you're listening to the Drew World Order of Wrestling Podcasts, and this is the Least Professional Wrestling Podcast. Nope, not a professional broadcaster, audio editor, advertiser, none of that stuff. Just a lifelong fan who loves professional wrestling and sports entertainment, so I have a podcast chatting about it. We actually have a lot to talk about uh, this show. Of course, we got to do our Reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW Dynamite, but there's actually a lot of uh, news to get to, so we're going to go right into the Drews and Notes segment. I hope you enjoy the show. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. We actually have a decent amount of Drews and notes to talk about this week. First, I just saw this this morning that Bobby Eaton passed away at the age of 62 from the Midnight Express. Now, I do really not have any memories of Bobby Eaton. I don't even think I could name a match I've ever seen him in. I'm sure I've seen him somewhere, but he was a little bit before my wrestling watching time, but he's a big enough name that I know he's had an impact on the world of wrestling. So rest in peace to Bobby Eaton, and sending condolences to his family and all of his loved ones. On a lighter topic, uh, Ever Rise showed up in AEW. Um, I'm not 100% sure what their name is now. They showed up on AEW Dynamite this week. Um, and they were part of Daniel 2.0 who lost to uh, Darby Allin, uh, John Moxley, and um, Eddie Kingston. Um, so it's good to see they got work somewhere else. Um, it was a little weird when they got released by WWE and NXT. They were doing that show, that um, online show. I think they're continuing that with AEW, um, obviously under a different name, but um, they never really got the show what they could do. They seemed kind of funny. They played that annoying um, team character um, gimmick very well. Um, and we'll see what they do in AEW. Um, as for WWE, a lot of the times in WWE, superstars get their names. Shortened by either losing their first name or last name Now we have, maybe for the first time ever Somebody who's gotten their name shortened to just a nickname Reginald is now just Reggie So I think this started on Smackdown They were calling him Reggie But his screen said, uh, his Titantron said Reginald I'm doing a podcast outside this week, so if you could hear a plane going overhead, that's what that is. Um, But this is the first time I've actually done this podcast outside, which is nice. Uh, Just enjoying the weather for once. Um, But anyway, yeah, Reggie got his name shortened. Uh, And as I was saying from SmackDown, Pat McAfee called him Reginald and... Michael Cole had correct him, but he was saying Reggie, and Pat was like, oh, sorry, I was looking up at the Titantron. Then on Raw, they fixed that Titantron. It said Reggie, and uh, Corey Graves kept calling him Reginald by accident. Maybe on purpose, I don't know, but he is officially just Reggie. But the biggest news coming out of this week were two WWE releases of big names. Ric Flair was released, which, no, he's not an in- uh, In ring talent, but he is a big time ambassador of WWE. I guess he asked for his release. Um, not totally sure what the situation is with that, um, but I'm sure somebody he'll do business with other wrestling companies somewhere down the road. The biggest shock was Bray Wyatt was released by WWE. Um, This happened a few days ago, kind of out of nowhere. I didn't really hear much about it, but again, I try to stay off social media for the most part for uh, uh, most of my day. I'll just check my social media in the morning and then at night before I go to bed. So when I saw that Bray Wyatt was released, I was pretty shocked by it. I mean, He's probably the best character with The Fiend that WWE had. Um, I don't know if it was for mental health reasons or his contract was just too much money and it was like a budget cut type of thing. And he's just, he hasn't been on TV in a long, long time. Um, I mean, he was on WrestleMania, he was on a couple of the weeks leading up to WrestleMania, but. Other than that, since December he really hasn't been on TV and that's when uh, everything going on with Brody Lee happened and Brody Lee passed away, which he was a great friend of Bray Wyatt. So wishing Bray Wyatt all the best, I'm sure he will go somewhere and be great wherever he goes. He's he's a superstar, he's a great mind, great talent. And uh, I am really not worried about Bray Wyatt whatsoever. Um, I'm going to move on to the things I was a little worried about and uh, switch up the format of the show a little bit this week uh, and go to my moments to complain about in the Drew Count. In the Drew count, I give my moments to complain about from the shows this week in wrestling. Starting with SmackDown, Sasha Banks returned. I didn't expect it, but I still really was not excited for it. It was pretty underwhelming to me. Um, She came out um, to help Bianca Belair after Bianca was getting attacked early in the show. Sasha's music hit. She sprinted down to the ring in like three seconds, so she didn't really get any sort of, um, time to soak in the reaction she was getting from the, from the crowd. Uh, she helped out Bianca, hugged Bianca, and then it was just over. There was really no pomp and circumstance or hype whatsoever. Kind of just happened, um, in like a minute or so. Like, it was very, very quick. Which is kind of a bummer for the star that she is. Now, I'm not a big fan of Sasha Banks, but she is a legitimate superstar. Um, and then at the end of the show, her turn was too obviously predictable. You know, um, Bianca needs an opponent at SummerSlam, and now we're going to get a rematch of something I don't really want to see again. Saw it at WrestleMania. Bianca won, I mean, the only way that, um, this is gonna be worth something is if Sasha wins at SummerSlam, but I don't necessarily see that happening, I mean, I could see her win, because Bianca's held the title for quite a while now, since Wrestlemania, so that's about, uh, what, a few months, uh, four, four months or so, maybe, um, and I don't think Bianca's done a great job as champion to make the title mean something, but Sasha doesn't really do that for me either. I mean, I know it was a historic main event, and it was a great match, but I'm, I'm not excited to see it. Maybe because I'm worried about the storytelling that's going to happen. I mean, for the WrestleMania match, the story was awful going into the match. I mean, the moment itself, the main event, that was great, but the story, not so much. Maybe this time around we'll get a better story and next week I'll be saying something different and this will be in the What Drew Money segment where I talk good about it. But for right now, not excited about Sasha Banks being back and facing Bianca Belair at SummerSlam for the SmackDown women's title. Another title that was on SmackDown was the 24-7 title, which I thought was a little weird. Apparently the 24-7 title just floats between... Shows now? Um, Did that happen before? Maybe it did, but I thought it was just a raw title. Um, Not sure what's going on with that. That's a little bizarre. And then one just production thing. Finn Balor came out for the contract signing, which I'll talk about later on in this podcast. Um, and his graphic said that he was competing in his first match on SmackDown in two years when he literally beat Sami Zayn in a match last week. So (laughs) I don't know if the graphic was not updated or what happened there. Um, and I guess technically his match is going to be at SummerSlam, but as we saw, things got changed and... That change I'll talk about in the What Drew Money segment. So I'm going to move to Monday Night Raw here. Um, Corey Graves on commentary said, uh, no man can beat two men simultaneously. That just doesn't happen. And it like literally happened last week. Um, Lashley beat Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander last week on Raw. Um, I get that it's the announcers and the commentators' job to make things more dramatic and put lyrics to the music of what's going on in the ring and with the show. But that was a rough moment, especially from Corey, which, you know, props to the WWE announce team. This goes to show how good the announcers are on WWE, um, and all of them all around from NXT to SmackDown to Raw. They don't miss a lot of the time. Um, And so when they do miss, it's easy to catch like something like this. And um, it's just a testament to really how good commentary is because there aren't that many issues um, as compared to AEW. AEW usually has something funky with their announced team uh, at least once a week, you know, where it's just a little off. But WWE, their announcers do a good job. Monday Night Raw also had the weird championship contenders match situation that happened again this past week with, um, this time, Charlotte Flair and Nikki Cross. They were promoting it as a championship contendership match, as if Charlotte beats Nikki, then Charlotte will get a shot at the title. But Charlotte Flair already has a shot at the the Raw Women's title at SummerSlam. That match was named last week. It was announced last week with Rhea Ripley in it. So not really sure what the point of this match was. I know it's to build to that SummerSlam match, but don't uh, promote it as a championship contendership match when it's not. Charlotte Flair has already earned the championship match. Going to NXT, not too much to talk about NXT here. There was a lot of fillers with story recaps and vignettes um, and previews for future matches. But other than that, um, everything was pretty good production-wise, talent-wise, match-wise. Just sometimes they they overdo it with... um, these recaps and and to try to build to an uh, a match or a vignette preview of um uh, of a, a match that's going to happen in the future just a, a few too many for me you know maybe one is fine or two like one each hour is fine but this felt like overload like it felt like it was like three or four and if I noticed it it's too much. Speaking of too much here, uh, AEW announced a four-man announce team for their Friday night show, Rampage, which will be Taz, Jericho, Mark Henry, and Excalibur. And this is just too many people. Way too many people. If anything, they should knock it down from 3-2 to two for Dynamite to Rampage, but instead they moved it up. I mean, that's a lot of people, man. That's a lot of voices, a lot of traffic to control. Um you, Excalibur, I think, will probably be play-by-play, but you don't need three color commentators. It's just a lot. I don't know if they're trying to be unique and differentiate themselves, but sometimes differentiation is not good and in this case it isn't um another thing that AEW does a lot of are interviews um basically the only way they promote a match is through some sort of interview um when there isn't a match going on um and it was something I noticed this week they were way too many interviews this week, especially with Tony Schiavone. There were, I believe, five of them. Five interviews with Tony Schiavone. Um, And then there were two more with Dasha Gonzalez. At least two. There might have been another one. So that's at least seven interviews over the course of a two-hour show. There's just gotta be a different way to promote a match. I mean, everything... That isn't a match on AEW. Is basically an interview. And it doesn't have to always be an interview. It could just be an in-ring segment. uh, A promo segment. A backstage promo. Something like. uh, Like something I'm going to talk about. In in the What Drew Money segment. Was a backstage segment. That was enjoyable and different. It wasn't an interview. It was just a backstage promo segment. So, you know, just have a little bit more variety. Two interviews are fine, you know, one an hour. Two backstage segments are fine, you know, one an hour still. Uh, I like to keep it, for my taste, that kind of variety, so there's something different. You could do uh, two in-ring promos, or, uh, one in-ring promo an hour. So there's two throughout the show. Um, you know, just keep variety, uh, promo, uh, an in-ring promo to start the show, then go to a singles match and then do a backstage promo and then do a women's match and then do an interview and then do a tag team match, and then, you know, you could basically repeat the cycle or whatever. You got six basic things that you can fill in in an hour. You can just rotate and, um, I get, I think that gives enough variety for the two hours where there's six things for each hour that are all different, but they repeat themselves in the second hour just with different talent. And I think it works, you know, keep it simple, stupid. It's pretty pretty basic but sometimes basic things work now I'm not saying that's the best because I've never written a show in my life but I've watched a lot of wrestling and for me the best wrestling shows are the one with lots of variety but I'm gonna move on to what I thought were the best things in wrestling this week and I'm gonna talk about those things in the what drew money segment In the What Drew Money segment, I give my favorite moments from the shows this week in wrestling. In the previous segment, the Drew Count, I was just talking about how I don't like how there are so many interviews on AEW, but I did briefly say that I enjoyed a backstage promo, and that was the elite promo this week where they cut down the basketball net saying they're going to retire champions. They got to... The better put, AEW better put their jerseys in the rafters, um, because they're going to retire champions and, uh, they're throwing the ball around, um, you know, and, uh, uh, Carl Anderson spinning on his finger, uh, and they count to 2012, which is Carl Anderson's number. And then, uh, (laughs) he passed the ball. Uh, well, Nick took the ball, Nick passes it, does a bounce pass to Matt. And uh, Matt tries to pass the ball to Kenny, but Brandon Color interrupts. He catches it, he intercepts the ball, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to cheat now, I'm a cheater! <laughs> and then Kenny takes the ball from him, and they're like, Brandon, just stop it, you know? Um, but what they were all saying was was true to me, and that's that's good bad guy stuff, no matter how obnoxious they're being. When there's a kernel of truth, it's great. Who really is left to challenge for the tag titles, and the world title as legitimate contenders. I mean, this was a very entertaining promo, but also pretty meaningful. I mean, let's go through the tag team list. I mean, just off the top of my head, I can't really think of anyone the Young Bucks need to face or I want to see face. I mean, they beat FTR. Um, I think they beat Jurassic Express best friends, uh, you know, Trent is hurt, so who knows with that, but I believe A AE, uh, AEW, I believe um, the Young Bucks have beaten them, um, there's Ever-Rise now, or whatever, we're calling them for AEW, but I mean, who who's left? Uh, as for the world title, yeah, there's a lot of guys who could contend, um, Christian seemed to be hinting that He was going to be contending for the world title with his interview with Tony Schiavone this week, and um, saying next week he he's gonna he made reference to the elite at the end of his promo, so he might go after the world title. And there was when Christian uh, debuted in AEW on his first Dynamite, there was a moment where uh, he had an interaction with Kenny Omega and uh, grab the world title belt, um, Brian Cage is doing stuff with Team Taz, um, you know, Cody Rhodes can't compete for the title, um, you know, it's just hard to think. Like it, Moxley has already been beaten a couple times. Maybe Jericho's got his stuff going on with MJF. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's really just like you know who is it's the truth who is ready. Even the Elite was funny in the ring uh, later on in the show when they came out and confronted Hangman Page. Um, And they beat Paige up. The Dark Order tried to come out, but some of the Dark Order, order, like uh, Eva Uno and Stu Grayson, were stopping the rest of the Dark Order from helping Adam because Hangman had said, in an interview, of course, (laughs) earlier on in the show, for them to go their separate ways and not to help each other. Um, But when the Elite were beating up uh, Hangman, there was... Michael Nakazawa was throwing the basketball at him, and uh, Brandon Cutler was like using the cold spray as a weapon. Just over the top, funny stuff. Um, it's a fun bit, and it's an intriguing bit. I thought the best moment on AEW, though, was the promo segment between Red Velvet and Britt Baker. Now, yes, this did start out as an interview. By Tony Schiavone, as most of their promos do, but when Britt and Red Velvet both took the rings, they set up this match beautifully. They're going to have a title match for the women's championship on the first episode of Rampage in Pittsburgh. They were both really good really believable. They showed lots of attitude, which I absolutely loved. And they're both stars. You know, Red Velvet is definitely a rising star. She is just, you know, fiery. And Britt is the star of the women's division, the face of the women's division. She's incredible. This is actually a match I'm looking forward to. Moving to a different women's title, the NWA Women's Championship. Uh, Layla Hirsch won a match on AEW Dynamite to face Camille for the NWA Women's Championship. And I was excited to see Camille on AEW television. Um, I really enjoyed her work when I watched NWA Power. I haven't in a long time. I haven't probably since, gosh, December of 2019, maybe. So almost two years now. Um, when I heard she was on the champion on AEW, because I don't really keep up with it, I was like, whoa, Camille's the champion? Like, that's awesome. And it's great to see her on national television getting national TV exposure. From the work I saw of her, and I'm sure she's even better now, uh, you know, almost two years later, that this is very well-deserved. And I hope this match happens uh, on AEW television, and I hope I see more of Camille, because she's got a very intimidating presence, intimidating look, you know, she's jacked up, she is good in the ring, um, I don't know if she's doing more promos now, when I watched NWA Power, she was quiet, and, uh, silent brooding type, didn't really say anything, um, So I would have to have somebody let me know uh, and fill me in on Camille now. But what I've seen previously, Camille, I liked and I hope that uh, she is on AEW television more. Something small that's greatly entertaining on AEW Dynamite is QT Marshall and his supposed apology to Tony... Shivani, uh, a few weeks back, maybe even a month back, during an interview, of course, one of the interviews that Tony Shivani does, the 18,000 of them he does in, a, in an episode, um, QT poured a protein shake on Tony Shivani. And QT, the ne- next week, said, You know what? I'll apologize to you, Tony, next week. Well, QT Marshall has not been on TV since then, so at some point in the show, the last few weeks, uh, <laughs> the announcers, uh, even specifically Tony Schiavone, will say, Well, I just got a note that uh, QT Marshall is not going to apologize to me this week and give some sort of excuse. That's just absurd um, for why he hasn't apologized yet. And then, Oh, well, you know, he'll, he'll do it next week. Like, it's just like a little seed. Just something small had going on in the show. But it's, it's great. It's been going on for weeks. I hope it, it keeps going. And then there was the main event of Dynamite. Which was Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes. And Malachi Black dominated Cody pretty quickly. And I thought it was perfect. This is a great way to build a new star. Build a new contender. Black beat a top guy with relative ease. And that definitely helps you make. Uh, that definitely helps make you look like a very credible threat. Let's go to um, SmackDown, where I think SmackDown did a good job of getting to John Cena versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. So I, I mentioned the uh, graphic for Finn Balor in the uh, Drew count, and this is the segment that uh, unfolded that Finn Balor was going down to. Finn Balor was going to sign the Universal Championship contract for a match at SummerSlam with Roman Reigns, but that didn't end up happening. Um, The Cena-Roman match, you know, I think we all knew it was going to happen, but I just didn't know how they were going to get to it. And it was really well done with the contract siding. You know, um, Baron Corbin, who's been down on his luck, comes out, attacks Finn Balor to try to give himself an opportunity. Baron goes to sign the contract for the match with Rowan Reigns at SummerSlam. And then John Cena comes down, Cena beats up Baron Corbin, Cena signs the contract and... What a great way to get to the match. Uh, yeah, maybe a little convoluted, but very well done because Roman doesn't want to face John Cena. Roman has even said like he doesn't need to face John Cena. He's even beat this version of John Cena. John comes out, does the same stuff over and over and over, and uh, Roman's bored of it, and he wants something that he's not bored of, but he sees Finn Balor as a challenge and wants to face Finn. Well, through this contract signing, it doesn't end up being Finn Balor. It ends up being John Cena, even though Finn Balor's name is on the contract. Adam Pearce, Sonya Deville, okay the match in the next segment. So we're getting John Cena versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. I'm excited to see this match. Um, even John Cena's promo to start the show, responding to what Roman said about him last week, about not changing... Um, was good. Um, Just a really, really solid build to this match during this week on SmackDown. Um, Something else that was unique on SmackDown, which is, I think, the second most important story on SmackDown, was uh, with Seth Rollins and Edge and a, a great use of a commercial break. So Edge came out before the commercial break, went to commercial, Seth attacked Edge During the commercial break. Which wasn't seen by the audience. uh, The television audience. And then when commercial came back. Seth was in the ring. With a mic. And uh, they. They went to. uh, They pitched to a moment ago. During the commercial break. um, With Seth Rollins. Beating up Edge. And. And then Seth. Did a promo. There was nothing more to it edge didn't come back out or anything he didn't attack seth and i think this is unique storytelling it was unexpected it makes it more important to not change the channel during the commercial break so you don't miss anything um right when the break is over because the moments ago update will tell a part of the story that's not previously seen and even they could use the um I don't know, the the inbox, whatever they're calling it. When they go to commercial and there's the the box that shows what's going on, they could even use that to do some of the storytelling. Like, they could have shown Seth Rollins attacking Edge in that little box. Um, And I think that's a good use of the box. Because when there's a match going on and there's a match just in the box and there's just, like, you know, a Taco Bell commercial or whatever... I'm not paying attention to what's going on in the match. Um, I I know that the match probably is not going to end during commercial, but something like this, when something does happen during the commercial that does contribute to the story developing, I think is good for that smaller box. Um, But that was really well done. These two main stories in SmackDown have been so good. And so greatly built that it just shows how much better SmackDown is than Raw. And uh, with Raw, it's indicative for me to say, you know, uh, uh, that SmackDown's so much better because I only have one thing for Raw to talk about. And it was just uh, like a five minute in ring promo segment of Ms. TV with Damian Priest. Um, I thought this one was entertaining. Damien Priest questioning Miz about his injury, which I'm glad he did because I've been talking about that for a long time. Uh, So much so in the DrewCon I did it that I just stopped talking about it because it's like, how did this dude just get injured? Um, The crowd really got into Miz and Morrison's correct bit. You know, Miz says something and uh, or Morrison asks a question. They say, correct, 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 you know, whatever. And on the last one, they were holding the correct like they always do. And the crowd jumped in and done it. And, you know, this is uh, another thing like the what chant or uh, yes, where it's one word and the, these talent have used it over and over and over. And finally, now that there's a crowd, it's getting over and I can see the crowd continuing to do this. Morrison was good during the bit. He continues to be funny with his moist puns. It was just a really good, entertaining segment. But other than that, nothing else on Raw really happened. So I'm going to move to NXT. And I got to say, this week, Ridge Holland, uh, I got a little bit more uh, uh, excitement for Ridge Holland. Last week, I mentioned in the Drew count that I wasn't excited for his return at all. But this week, when he faced Giro, um, who wrestles in a suit coat jacket, and Ridge ripped the suit coat jacket off of Jiro, my thought, oh, thank God. Thank you, Ridge. Because Giro wrestling in this suit coat is so incredibly stupid. Even Wade Barrett said it on commentary, and I was like, yes. Thank you, Wade. This is absurd. Like, yeah, it's differentiation, but this is one of the cases where differentiation is is not good. It's dumb. It's stupid. Drop it. Do something else that differentiates you in a better way. Um, as for an in-ring move, um, and really this is the only in-ring thing that I have on the list for, uh, what drew money because I am more of an entertainment segment type person anyway. Cameron Grimes was in a tag match with, um, his partner, um, not Eli Drake, LA Knight, and uh, they were against the Grizzly Young Veterans. And Cameron Grimes did a double Hurricane Rana to both uh, GYV, and that was really, really cool. He jumped up, so Grizzly Young Veterans, both of them were in the middle of the ring. Grimes jumped up, put one of his legs around uh, each of GYV, and did the Hurricane Rana. And I was just like, whoa, that was cool. Um, you know that's the type of stuff that i like to see in matches is i for wrestling for me i've seen so many wrestling matches that it's just like it's either got to be really really bad or really really good for me to to get super invested in it um and this was something that was just really cool i'm like whoa that was really really cool and then we had the main event which was a wrestling match for uh it was the love her or leave her uh or love her or leave uh, story match with Johnny Gargano versus Dexter Loomis if Johnny won. Um, uh, Indy Hartwell had to stop you know, being with Dexter Loomis if Dexter Loomis with, won. Um, Johnny Gargano had to let, to let Dexter Loomis and Indy Hartwell have a chance at being a couple. Johnny Gargano ended up winning the match, but at the end of the show... Index ended up being together, um, regardless of that main event match outcome. This Index story has been a nice side story. It's lighthearted, and I'm glad it's continuing because I was actually legitimately bummed that Loomis lost the match. Going into the match, I figured, oh, this is going to be an easy Dexter Loomis win, right? They're going to continue this story, and when Loomis lost, I was just like, wait, what? Like, what are they going to do with this story now? But Indy Hartwell, um, against Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae's wishes, ran down to the ring, and her and Loomis started making out. Um, And the show went off the air with this, you know, romantic moment. Uh, I'm happy to see where this story goes next. Um, I'm sure the way with Candice and Johnny are going to be hilarious no matter what. If Dexter Loomis gets thrown into that mix where he's just silent and weird and doesn't do anything, and um, Indy is just like the girl in love, like the bubbly girl in love, I think it's got the making of a lot of entertaining segments, and I am all here for that. Uh, I'm going to move on to the uh, Redrew segment, which is my overall ratings and impressions of the shows this week in wrestling. And uh, we'll get to that right now. In this Redrew segment, I get my overall ratings and impressions of the shows this week in wrestling, but I don't do the typical... Rating systems. I don't do any numbers or stars or grade letters, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. I throw my own interpretation on it. I was just talking about NXT. You know, nothing really big happened on NXT. It was still fun and enjoyable. And, uh, you know, I'm in this summer mood. So, I'm giving NXT the rating this week of sparklers, right? So, they're not fireworks. They're not big. They're not overwhelming. They're not super stimulating. But sparklers, they're they're still fun, you know. They're safe. You can play with them and hopefully not really get hurt all that much um, and not feel all that bad. That's what NXT felt like. You know, there wasn't anything that was super terrible. Nothing, anything that was, especially with bigger stories that really seemed to happen, you know, like you could take it or leave it. Um, where if you didn't watch this episode, I'm sure you would figure out what happened on the next show. Cause they would do recaps and just be like, Oh, okay. So that's what I missed. Like, you know, that's sparklers. Like, uh, you know, the kids are playing with sparklers, you know, I'm not really missing out, but it's fun. It's still uh, uh, a little bit of fun there. Um, going to uh, SmackDown. This show felt like it went by fast. Nothing was really boring. It moved along smoothly, so I'm giving SmackDown the rating this week of a jackrabbit because it just felt like it didn't feel frenetic, like super fast paced. It just felt fluid, and it just went, and it went, nothing felt like it was overstayed its welcome, just a, a smooth, fluid show, where nothing was all that bad, nothing was all that boring, the two top stories were very entertaining, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's good for SmackDown. Going to Ru- Monday Night Raw, um, uh, Monday Night Raw really had nothing going for it, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty bland, I mean, it was still enjoyable, so I'm getting Raw the rating of a bowl of rice, so I really like rice, but rice is bland, right, but it's good, it's good, it, it's, a, it's like a perfect side dish, it goes along with everything else, um, Raw to me was basically like a side dish to Smackdown this week, um... Nothing too major really happened, you know, I only mentioned one entertainment segment for what I enjoyed, and the other two things that I didn't like were just kind of weird production things that didn't necessarily involve talent all that much, so, you know, decent, it was enjoyable, I didn't dislike it, but it was bland, it was a bowl of rice. But for AEW, Dynamite this week, I thought it was a good show. Um, I'm giving AEW uh, the rating this week of an Olympic record. So the Olympics have been on the last couple of weeks. uh, And if you notice in uh, some of the events, there will be something that says Olympic record and then world record. So that means... Uh, there's an Olympic record for the Olympics, but that's not necessarily the best that's ever happened. The best that's ever happened is the world record. Um, that's how this AEW show felt. It was a good show. It wasn't the best in the world. It wasn't like a world record, um, but it was a good performance by the talent to have a successful end product that you know resulted in a podium in a in a gold medal showing. Um, so that was, that was a a really enjoyable show. I'm actually looking forward to, uh, Rampage to see, uh, what happens there. But of course that means this podcast is going to get a little bit longer because I'm going to have hopefully more good to talk about. Um, probably more not so good to talk about, although I hope not. And then I'll have another show to review. Um, so this podcast will begin a little bit longer as Rampage gets added on. Uh, I hope you don't mind listening to it now, and uh, I hope you won't mind if it gets a little bit longer, but if you do enjoy the show, um, please support the show in any way that you can, um, whether that's through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, you can interact with the show at DWOPod, or you can send an email to dwopod at gmail.com, you know, rate reviews, subscribe, um, all the things that you're supposed to do for supporting a, a podcast, uh, like the show on social media, give it a follow, um, share it on social media, retweet it, send in your comments, um, whatever, you know, if you want to further support the show, you can go to the anchor page, and click on on the link there, and whatever you put in that link will get put right back into the podcast and make it better, ultimately, for your listening experience. Um, If you would please spread the word about the podcast, just tell one person that you think would like it, like, hey, I like this podcast. You might like it. Just tell them to search the Drew World Order podcast. Uh, It's got the nwo logo but it's just a d and we're basically on podcasting platforms so they'll be able to find us wherever they search um but if all you do is listen i appreciate it thank you for listening i hope your listening experience this week was drew sweet